0: الحمد لله، الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى. أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله، حق, الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم قال النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ كن فِي الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غْرِيبَ أو عابر سَبِيلٌ اَوْ كَمَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Most respected, all of my kiram, brothers and elders, the time that Allah t'ala gives us the ability, the opportunity to remember Him This is an extremely valuable gift from Allah Ta'ala and it is something that we cannot fully understand how great it is in this dunya. The reality of it will only be possible to understand in the hereafter. In this world, many things are beyond our comprehension. Is beyond us to be able to understand it. A child that is in the womb of the mother. If somehow it could have been communicated to that child, somehow if that child could have been made to understand, to understand, to understand, to understand. If it was possible, it's not, ha- not possible. But if there was this possibility, that the child that is in the womb of the mother. If that child could be made to understand that. There is a world out there. That world is so big that there are millions of people living out there. And there are all these huge buildings and farms and cars going on roads at such speeds, planes flying in the air. The child will say that this is like a dream world. Can't, doesn't sound like anything that can be possible because that child's world is all where the child is. And that child can't understand beyond that. So no matter how, if that was possible to communicate, communicate this to that child, but in that world of that child at that time, it is beyond, it is beyond the understanding and the ability of that child to understand at that time that there is a world out there. And there is this huge world. And all these things are happening in that world. But finally the day comes when that, that child is born, And then the child starts growing up. Starts seeing things around him. Starts understanding. And now he starts seeing, yes, there is this vast world. Such a big, huge world out here. But before the child was born, if it was possible to communicate it to them, to the child won't understand it. So Likewise, we are in this very small dunya. Which is like that womb of the mother compared to the Akhirat. It's like that very small dunya of that child. We are also like that little... Very confined world. Very small place. Compared to the Akhirat. In the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that Rasulullah described the last person who will come out of Jahannam and be entered into Jannat. It is obvious that this last person will be a person with Iman. Because a person who left this dunya without Iman, then there is no Way that a person will ever see Jannat. There's no entry into Jannat without Iman. The ticket to Jannat is Iman. But unfortunately, if a person didn't live his life, what the Iman requires of him, he didn't live his life according to that. Iman, Iman requires that a person now, a mu'min, he lives his life in the obedience of Allah ta'ala. His salah, he is constant on his salah. He fasting in the month of Ramadan. All the other laws of Allah staying away from all sin. All this what Iman demands. But if he lived his life differently then he can be in problems. He can be in problems in the grave. Everybody has to reach the grave. Nobody is going to be able to avoid getting into the grave. Everybody is going to see the grave. And then the akhirat, the hereafter, the day of judgment. Then his Jannat is Jahannam. The person who didn't live his life according to what Iman demanded, he might have to go through Jahannam, through the fire of hell. But if he had Iman, one day, inshallah, he'll come to jannah. That Iman will bring him. After how long? Allah knows. But he will finally come. And that person who will finally come to jannah, the last person, the hadith that detailed description is given. That he will be brought out of jannah out of Jahannam, and then in the distance he will see one tree. He's still not even in Jannah, in He's still out of Jahannam only. And he will say, Allah, give me the shade of that tree. I will never ask you for anything beyond that. If I just can be brought under the shade of that tree, and there's some water there, I can have that water, I think that will be the greatest thing I can ever have. Whereas he hasn't even yet entered jannat When he could come into that Brought into that shade of that tree. He will see after some time. He will believe now that there is nobody better off than me. Whereas he hasn't even entered Jannat yet. He has just come out of Jahannam. That punishment of Jahannam would be so severe. That this would be like everything for him. But after a while he will say. "Allah, There is another bigger tree there. And. Take me under that tree. That shade is even more. Allah Allah will say. But you already said you won't ask for anything more say but please take me there I don't want to be the worst off of all your creation just take me further eventually in this manner he will be brought to the door of Jannat and then he will be told okay enter first Allah Ta-raha will say to him you start desiring what you want now can a person what, if you just tell a person desire what you want what, rest- what restrictions there there is no limit he will keep desiring what he wants and finally he won't be able to ask for anything more so allah so allah so allah taala will remind him ask for this also ask for this also and eventually when all his desires have been asked for allah taala would say for you is whatever you have asked for and 10 times the size of the dunya that you came from 10 times the size of the dunya be given to who to the last person entering jannah so now this ticket to Jannati, to jannat is this Iman. And this is the greatest wealth Allah, Allah has blessed us with. Somebody might have whatever of the dunya he has, but if he doesn't have this Iman, he's got nothing. How can that be nothing? A person's mind might go in so many different directions that he's got so much, we say we got Nothing. That so much is really nothing because the day that moment the person's eyes close, what is going to benefit him? When he's going to be laid in the grave, he's going to take anything of it? There is one incident mentioned, it's just a story for an example. One person was a very wealthy person. Very wealthy person, but now he was afraid when I'm going to die, what's going to happen? So he said, anybody who is ready to spend one night with me in the grave, when I Buried the first night, he's ready to spend in the ready to spend in the grave. The next day, they'll take him out. Half my kingdom for him. Half my kingdom, you can give it to him. So one poor person was a woodcutter, so just chop wood and sell wood and survive. When this wealthy person passed away, they made this announcement. So he thought about it. He said, "Well, what am I going to lose? I got nothing. If I make it." I got half the kingdom. And if I don't make it, what I lost. So let me take a chance. Whereas, it's not a safety to take a chance. The whole world is trying to entice people. Must take a chance, no worry, you might come right. But people destroy their lives in taking chances. In deen, there's no chances. Allah has given us a very clear path. No need to take chances. We just follow the clear path. Where a person starts stepping out of that clear path, now is taking chances. Their chances are very dangerous. But in any case, this person said, let me take a chance. Let's see what happens. So now when this person passed away, now they put him inside the grave also. and They put him in the grave. So now the angels come to question a person in the grave. Man Rabbuk. These are the questions every person will be asked. When he is buried, he will be asked the questions, Man Rabbuk. The angels will ask him that, who is your Rabb? Who is your Rabb? Who you worshipped? Who you believed in? If he is Rabb, he truly believes from his heart is Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is his creator. Allah Ta'ala is taking care of him. Allah Ta'ala is the one who feeds him. He is believing that deeply from his heart. And he is living his life according to what Allah Ta'ala has commanded. Not what his desires want. Then That is what will speak in the qabr, in the grave. That is what will say, say, Rabbi Allah. How he lived his life, that is what will speak. He'll say, my rabbi is Allah. And what is your deen? If he loved Islam, then he'll reply and say, my deen is Islam. ما تقول في هذا What do you have to say about Rasulullah wasallam? If he followed the way of Rasulullah wasallam, then he'll be able to reply that he is the Rasul of Allah But if he lived his life differently, then he won't be able to this he knows the questions, knows the answer in dunya. But in the qabr, it's the actions that will speak. If his action was different, he won't be able to answer the correct answers. His re- reply will be, la adri. Ha ha, la adri. I don't know. So in any case, this person now, the angels came, they saw two people here. He says, two people, how can two people be here? But in any case, one is sitting, the other one is lying down. Let's start off with the person sitting. So they saw him, now he was there, they, he came along with his axe, so they buried him with the axe too. So now, asked him, this axe you got, you got anything else in life, said, no, only this axe. Okay, let's start asking about this axe. The axe got two parts. One is the steel, that metal, the other is the handle, the wood. So first now, answer for the wood, where you brought this from? How you earned it? You bought it from somewhere, the money, how you earned the money? And you broke it from some tree, you took the permission of the person. They started asking him so many questions, by that time it was morning. So these people dug up the grave, he quickly came out. They told him, mashallah, you spend the whole night with the, in the grave, half the kingdom is for you. He said, I couldn't answer for this axe, I'm going to answer for the half the kingdom, keep it, I don't want it. Now this is just an example somebody gave, but that's a reality also. The reality is, that when a person goes down in the grave, then this whole dunya means nothing to him. And on the day of Qiyamah, this whole dunya will mean nothing. No matter what a person had in dunya, it will mean nothing. Because what will be of benefit there is only Iman and Amal. Iman and the righteous actions of a person. Nothing else will benefit him there. So this is the greatest gift of Iman Allah Taala blessed us with. And in order to look after this Iman, to protect it, because such an important thing, such a great wealth. It's obvious just to be looked after one is that the person earned a lot. <coughs> now before he reached home he got stolen. so now he got his bonus and he got so many other things and a lot of money he earned. but now he'll come home talking about it that I earned so much is of no use. Where's it? you brought it around. The Quran also taala says that the one who brings along, man ja'a bil hasanati falahu ashru amsaliha. The person who brings along the good deed and come on the day of Qiyamah he'll get ten times, multiplied ten times a reward. But he must bring it. He mustn't lose it on the way. His iman, his amal, he must bring it along. How he's going to bring it along? The whole Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala gives us the prescription of looking after this iman. The prescription of taqwa. To the extent the person will adopt taqwa, that is the extent to which this will be safeguarded, be protected. Won't get lost on the way. Otherwise, it's very dangerous. Otherwise, the person on the way get caught up in something or the other. shaitan will rob him of his good deeds. Allah forbid of his iman. If you look in the Quran Sharif, if you look in the Ahadif, if you look in the ahadith in the lives of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba Ikram. What was the means of looking after this iman? That is the very important thing that we need to focus on. How to look after this iman and this amal? What is the means of that? If you look into the Quran Sharif, in the Ahadith, in the life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Sahaba Ikram, one very very important thing we will learn from it is, that to the extent of sacrifice a person makes for iman and a person makes for protecting this iman, a person makes for looking after his amal, according to that sacrifice Allah Ta'ala opens a doorway for him further. jahadu fina la subulana mujahada sacrifice, striving. This is the prescription. Many a times a person Thinking, but how nice it would have been so easy that, you know, I just press one button, everything worked out for me. Doesn't happen like that. There's an effort. For the small things of dunya also, person has to make effort. For akhirat, for this vast jannat, what we just discussed about, not gonna happen without effort. So what is sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice? It will sometimes require sacrifice of time. Sacrifice of time actually is no sacrifice because all the time is for Allah Ta'ala. But nevertheless, sacrifice in our regard that now a person is, for example, working it's his business or his job or he's at home now with his family or whatever other occupation is involved in and suddenly now is the time of salah. So he puts everything aside, he sacrifices the time out of the business, out of the job. Now I have to present myself in front of Allah Ta'ala. So sometimes it's that kind of sacrifice, sacrifice of time. It's a sacrifice. Allah loves the sacrifice. In the hadith it comes that the person who is regular in the masjid, he's making that sacrifice of time. And he's coming regularly to the masjid. He could have been making a salah somewhere else also, at home. But he's joining the salah with Jama'ah. He's making that sacrifice of coming, that sacrifice of the time. So in the Hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Lahu لَهُ iman that you can testify on his behalf that he's a mu'min. What's in the heart? Nobody can see. Iman is in the heart. We can't see the heart. Nobody can see my heart, and I can't see anybody else's heart. But Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying somebody is regular in the masjid. He's coming regularly for salat jam'a in the masjid. You can testify that this is a mu'min. You can bear witness he's a believer. What a great thing. But now where this came from, he didn't take it easy, stay at home, doesn't matter. No, he took the sacrifice of time to come and perform Salah in the masjid. That brought about this great honor. Nabi Slav is saying, You can give witness that this person is a believer. So sacrifice of time. Sacrifice. Sometimes of wealth maybe. Person might have to spend. If it's, for example, he has so much of wealth that now qurbani was wajib on him. So he must make qurbani. Of oh, zakat is due on him, he must pay zakat. Somebody hajj might become compulsory upon him, he has that much of wealth, he must go for hajj. Or oh, various other things. Sometimes it will require the sacrifice of desires. Sacrifice of desires. A person is being tempted, there's a temptation towards haram. Now he's being tempted to look at haram, for example. Now that temptation is dragging him, is pulling him. But he is not giving in. He says, I'll sacrifice that. But I won't give in. I will, like how now Kurvani time a person put the knife on that animal. And he slaughtered the animal. He sacrificed that animal for Allah. Ta'ala. So now he says, I'll put the knife on my nafs. I'll sacrifice this animal of the nafs for Allah. Ta'ala. I won't give in to that haram temptation. So what this brings? The Hadith Qudsi. Allah Ta'ala says. Now this is one example. But this teaches us this lesson of sacrifice. What it brings? What's, what's the benefit of it? Allah Taala says in the Hadith Qudsi. That Anaduru Sahmum min sihami iblis masmum that this haram glance. Now the person look at haram. looking at all evil things. Looking at who is not allowed to look at woman, etc. So now the temptation that came, he is not the temptation he is Insan, he is human. So the temptation will come. But he did not give in. And he's putting the nafs, the knife, the knife, the knife on that nafs. So Allah Ta'ala says that this haram glance is a poisonous arrow of shaitan. The one who will refrain from this, he will stay away from it. Why? Allah Ta'ala says out of my fear, out of the love of Allah Ta'ala, out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala. How can I do this? Allah Ta'ala bless me with all whatever I have. Allah Ta'ala gave me these eyes to look with. Allah Ta'ala bless me with this heart, this mind. If Allah Ta'ala snatches this away from me, who can give it to me? Can anybody give it to me? The whole world put together can't give it to me. Allah Ta'ala out of His mercy granted me all this. Gave me these ears to listen with. Gave me this tongue to speak with. Gave me these hands and feet. Now I must use it for what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden me. Allah Ta'ala has already given me the command in the Qur'an Sharif, Say to the believing men, they must lower their gazes, they mustn't look at haram. So now I must lower my gaze. How can I now just carry on just misusing this gift of Allah Ta'ala? So now that temptation has come but He is not giving in. He is by all these thoughts, these positive thoughts, where he is now, where he is now, where he is now reprimanding himself, scolding himself. How can I do such a thing? He is putting the knife on the nafs. Each time he is talking to himself in that manner, this he is running that knife on that nafs. And eventually he goes out of that situation without having committed that haram. He is now slotted that nafs for that moment. So what is the end result of this? Allah Ta'ala says abdaltu biha imanan yajidu halawatahu fi qalbi In return I will give him such iman such sweetness of iman that he will taste the sweetness of this iman in his heart Now he made a sacrifice one was sacrifice of time of wealth of effort energy and this is a sacrifice of temptation the temptation towards haram to look at haram, to go to some haram place, to listen to haram, to speak something which Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. Now outwardly all this seems to be just by the way, but it's a very big sacrifice. And Allah Ta'ala loves this. This is part of that wallaveena jahadu fina And this mujahada that a person makes within himself, now he came for salaam, mashallah, that was a mujahada. He had to walk, he had to come, drive, or whatever. Sometimes early morning it's cold, maybe it's a very hot day and he's walking and coming in the sun for Zohar. So that's a mujahada also, very big mujahada. And this too is a very, very big mujahada within himself. This mujahada against the nafs that he is not going to commit any haram. Allah ta'ala loves this greatly. And this is, this sacrifice is something which a person, when a person makes a sacrifice for deen, Outwardly, it might just seem something in passing, but it is something to understand how great this is. There wasn't anybody more beloved to Allah Ta'ala than Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Most beloved of the entire creation. Now, when a person, somebody is very beloved to someone, his own child, whoever, very close to him, then as far as what he can do, he will not allow that person to go through something that he is not happy about. But now we are very, very weak, limited. We can't do so much. We can only do to a certain point. Now sometimes we don't want somebody to get sick. When he gets sick, we can't do anything about it. We'll try to treat the person, but that's all. We can't prevent that sickness from coming. Allah d'Allah will come. We don't want a person to feel some pain, but if that something happens, he'll feel the pain. We can then help him out to whatever extent we can. But he'll feel the pain. But Allah d'Allah has complete power. But for the protection of deen, Allah Ta'ala allowed Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to also make the sacrifice. What we understand from this is how beloved this sacrifice is. That the most beloved of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala allowed him also to undertake this sacrifice. If this sacrifice was something that was not beloved to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala won't allow Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to undertake it. But Allah Ta'ala allowed it to happen. To set the pattern for everybody. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa is now being presented as the example. He's the most beloved beloved of Allah Ta'ala and he's undertaking the sacrifice. That Come what may, but deen can't be compromised. Allah Ta'ala allowed Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to undertake the sacrifice of poverty. What extent of poverty? That he sometimes had to tie stones to his belly out of hunger. We have not experience what hunger in reality is. That hunger which the Sahaba experienced. That to tie stones to their bellies. The beast tied two stones. Allah allowed it. Because this was going to be the pattern that deen, how valuable deen is. And then Allah showed that those who undertake this sacrifice, the end result is success. The end result is success in dunya and everlasting success in the hereafter. So the sacrifice of desires. When a person sacrifices desires, Allah Ta'ala opens a way for him. There's one incident mentioned in the Hadith Sharif of how sometimes the sacrifice brings about the barkat in dunya also, the akhirat as well. The time of jahiliyat, before Islam already. There was one incident that happened. One person from the Quraysh He, somebody hired him. They took him as a person to help along. He was going somewhere on a journey. He said, you come along and assist me. So this person from the Quraysh, he assisted. He said, okay, fine, I'm, I'm ready. Now as they're going on the journey, what his job was now, all the camels. He must look after the camels. Now on the way, on the way, on the way, he met one another person who was also part of his extended family, his tribe. So they knew each other that person his camel what happened was that somehow that string of the camel got lost now he met this friend of his and now he's working for another person they're going along on a journey and whole line of camels so he said to him look i need this one string my string broke here whatever this bag i need to tie it take out one string from one of the camels and give it to me it'll help me to just tie it and the camels will all look they'll keep along. That camel won't go anywhere because that's how they carry on walking. One camel walks, all carry on following. Now it wasn't the right thing to do to give that string without the owner's permission. But in any case, in that moment now, Jaili, as we're talking about, he opened that string and he gave it to him. This person now went away. Now, now they carrying on, they carried on on their journey. The owner, the person who hired him, he didn't see all this. And they came and stopped at some place. Now they must tie all the camels up. Tied all the camels, one camel got no sting. So now the person who hired him, he asked him what happened. Where is the sting for this camel? He said, well somebody was passing, he needed one sting, I gave it to him. He got very upset. He got very upset. So he, in that anger of his, anger, anger is a very dangerous thing. Anger has a very, very bad end result. If a person doesn't control that anger, Anger naturally comes in a person. But to control that anger is what is required. Anger will come. But after the anger has come, the person has to be able to keep it there and think what is the right thing to do. What is the right thing to say. He doesn't think and he says first. Sometimes in some places they say people get angry then they shoot first and they ask questions later. After they finish shoot now they are going to ask questions what benefit is there already dead, so now it's too late. The consequences can be very dangerous. So, any case, this person also now, when he heard this answer that that one sting I gave it away to somebody, he got very angry and upset. There was some stick in his hand, stick in his hand, stick in his hand. He hit that stick with force onto this person. It was such a severe shot he gave him. This person dropped dead. He wasn't yet dead immediately but it was obvious now he's not going to survive. When he saw that this fellow fell and he's not going to survive he took the camels and went away. He's thinking this person will die anytime now. He went away in the meantime some another person, a Yemeni person passed. All this is mentioned in the Hadith Sharif, in Bukhari Sharif this rivayat is. That person saw him this person is like dying here. Asked him what happened. He said, look, what happened, I, 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 got a favor to ask. Would you go for Hajj? Those days also they used to go for Hajj in their own way. He said, yes, I might go someday. He said, look, if you go for Hajj anytime, then you must come by the Kaaba Sharif and then you must ask loudly, you must shout that I want to speak to the Quraysh. Where's the Quraysh? So a lot of people will get, gather together. Then you must say, no, I want to speak to Banu Hashim, especially the uh, more Close description now. That family, the Banu Hashim. Then they'll point out who's the Banu Hashim. You see, now I want to speak to Abu Talib. Then when you meet him, then Abdul Muttalib, when you meet him, then you tell him he's the leader. You tell him, look so and so, this is my name. The person who hired him, he killed him for one string." So he heard the whole message. This person died. Now, After some time, that person who hired him, he also returned to Makkah. When he returned now, the family came. You took our person and went on the journey. Where is he? You came alone. Two people went. One person came back. So now he made up on story. He said, well, yeah, we were gone on this long journey. He got sick. and After he got sick, now he passed away. So when he passed away, I had to bury him. In any case, whatever, I really made a lot of khidmat. I served him a lot. And I looked after him in his illness. Now he's making one long story. So they were very grateful that you did all this khidmat. You served him. But now he passed away. Well, what can we do now? He passed away. In any case, they thought now the story is over. This person also thought the story is over. That's how shaitan deceives a person. Shaitan makes a person do many wrong things. Thinking, don't worry, it's all over. And you've got nothing to worry about. But then it comes back. And sometimes shaitan makes it come back. He goes and whispers it in the next person's mind also. You see this person now, what he did was, he did the wrong and now he's lying. Why? Because that's Shaitan's job. Make a person do wrong, then open it out and destroy him also, and that's full time his job. No other job he's got. So any case, here this person came, he made up the story, everybody thought it's the end of the story, they went away. After some time, this Yemeni person came to Makkah. And he did as he was told. One day by around the Kaaba Sharif, he shouted aloud, where's the Quraysh? I want to talk to the Quraysh. So several people gathered together and said, well, there's the Quraysh. He said, no, from here now I want to talk to Banu Hashim. They put the Banu Hashim aside. He said, there's the Banu Hashim. He said, no, I want to talk to Abdul Muttalib, the leader. So he said, that's the person. He went to him now and he told him the story that the person who belonged to your people tribe and went on the journey this is what happened so now the whole secret came out but the secret came out so they came to this person Abdul Muttalib came to the person who was responsible but they got no evidence it's just this person's word now So in those days there was a separate rule if somebody is killed and you don't know who the person is who's responsible so then 50 people must take an oath that look I didn't kill him, I don't know who's the killer. So now all these people, this person too, and another 49 people must take an oath. So now they came along and they started asking everybody, 49, 50 people must take an oath. So I said, well, fine, we're all cousins here. We'll take the oath to save our man. They don't know, they didn't see, they don't know anything, but uh, they probably already, maybe he told them to, but they're ready to take a false oath. It's our cousin now. We'll just take the false oath. We'll just lie. And it's okay. We'll save his life. What's the problem in that? So now they all came. And they started getting ready to take the oath. One person came and he said, please, there's two camels in return for my oath. And just excuse me. Very well. Okay, you excused. Another person, his mother came. Youngster who was also told to take the oath. False oath. His mother came and said to Abdul Muttalib, look, please excuse my son from this. I don't want him to take this oath. It's a false oath. I don't want him to take it. He said, okay, very well, leave him. So he refrained and stayed away from taking the false oath. The rest of them came and took the false oath. They lied. Now the narrator is narrating the hadith. He says, all these people were very happy now. They took a false oath. They thought, chapter closed now. End of story. But within one year, one year had not passed. And not one of them was left living. All those 48 people now had taken that false oath. Out of that 48, not one person was left alive. One after the other, they just started dying. Now outwardly it seemed. now what's the difference? A person took a false oath, life carried on, one harm it did. But it's not so clear what happened, how it's linked. A person switches the switch on the wall and the light comes on here. Now Every person who is aware, he knows okay, what's happening now, where's the wiring and so on. But a small child who doesn't know how this works, now he can see the switch on the wall, he said see magic. Pressing the button here, the light coming on on that side, magic. Now, that child, first time he's seeing now how this happens, now he wants to play with that switch, magic now. But there's no magic behind it. It's all linked up. Any person who is understanding, he knows how this happens. There's a wire behind it. It's all linked up to the distribution board and then from there how it happens. But the child doesn't see it happening. So He is very fascinated. He is excited about it. See the magic. Likewise, we can't see the link. We can't see how it is wired. What Amal a person does, what actions he does and how things happen thereafter for him. The good that he does, what blessings it brings. That connection, he can't see it. But it's there. And the sins a person commits and what problems that brings. It's also wired. It's also linked up. He can't see it, but it's there. Allah has created that system in dunya. So any case, these 48 people all died. This one youngster who didn't take that false oath, he said, I'm not prepared to take these false holds. What was the end result? They were all linked up, all family and all related. So as people started dying and one person now inherited from the other one and then that person died and he, eventually all these 48 people's inheritance he got. 48 people's whole money and whatever property they had and everything, within one year this person got it. Now this is Allah Ta'ala's System Allah Ta'ala is showing us, the good a person does, he does not give in to the haram. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna take any false oaths. I'm not gonna do what Allah Ta'ala is displeased with. It's a sacrifice at that time. At that time, it's not sometimes so straightforward. It's a sacrifice. He has to make a lot of mujahada against his nafs, temple that nafs and temptation. But that is what brings that end result. Dunya, we are all here for a very short time. And then we all have to face death. Nobody is going to be spared death. Every single person is going to meet death. And then is the qabr. Every person is going to be in the qabr. In the qabr is the questions. Every person is going to be have to answering those questions. Then is the day of qiyamat. Every single person is going to have to be on the day of qiyamat to give an account of his deeds. That is Jannat or Jahannam. So the process for safeguarding this Iman and taking us directly to Jannat is this taqwa. Taqwa that we be conscious of Allah ta'ala, we stay away from the disobedience of Allah ta'ala, fulfill whatever Allah ta'ala wants us to do, stay away from what Allah ta'ala has forbidden us to do. When a person keeps making the sacrifice for Allah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala opens the way for him. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala is with those who do good. So dunya is a place of test. Every person is in a test of a different kind. Every person has some test or the other. No person is without the test. Somebody is being tested with health. He's very healthy, very strong. But how is he using that health? Is he using that health in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased? But now he's getting involved in haram with the health. Because he's feeling very strong and healthy, he can do what he wants. Somebody is getting tested with wealth. is getting tested with sickness, somebody with poverty. Everybody's in a test. So the issue is how we pass this test. That is the biggest question. How to pass this test? That whatever condition a person is in, whether it is health or illness, whether it is wealth or poverty, whether a person is in happy times or sad times, but in any moment, any time to do that which will please Allah Ta'ala. For that one is the sacrifice. The second thing, very briefly just to round off, is that Allah Ta'ala has made the system that, That one is, one will have to make the mujahada, he will have to make sacrifice. The second thing is, the kind of company he will keep, that is the kind of life he will lead. person keeps the company of those who are righteous, who are pious, who fear Allah Ta'ala, and he stays as much as possible in such company, then in time that will rub off on him also. And if he's in the company of those who want to do wrong things, go to wrong places, get involved in all kinds of evil, that's going to rub off on him. So that company is very, very crucial. The kind of company a person keeps that is going to make him. Oh Allah forbid, will break him. So we have to all the time be in company of those who are conscious of Allah Taala, those who are coming regularly for salah, those who want to be doing the right things, going to the right places. Spending time in the path of Allah Ta'ala. Spending time in the masjid. Reciting Quran Sharif. Making the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. Staying away from all the places of haram. That's a company we have to keep. And to the extent we keep in that kind of company, to that extent we will be strengthened. We will get that courage to remain doing what is right. When a person starts joining company that are interested in other things, then it's just a matter of time before he starts slipping also. So one is this mujahada, the second is this company. And the third thing is, that to the extent that that person remembers Allah Ta'ala, to that extent his heart is strengthened. And when that heart is strengthened, the heart is king. That strong heart will keep him on track. Remembering Allah Ta'ala, daily some tasbihahat, tilawt of the Qur'an Sharif, reciting istighfar 100 times daily, durood sharif, salawat on Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, reciting the third kalima, And then as much as possible, we keep every now and again some zikr of Allah Ta'ala every now and again on our tongues. <laughs> La Yazalu لسانك Ratbam min ذكر Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to one sahabi, keep your tongue moist with the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. Every now and again, something. A mu'min, his tongue would forever be reciting every now and again, something. Some zikr and remembrance of Allah ta'ala. That is a moment of real regret that a person forgot Allah ta'ala. On the day of Tiamat also he'll regret that. In Jannat also he'll regret those moments that he didn't remember Allah ta'ala. So a mu'min should be forever remembering Allah ta'ala. When he keeps remembering Allah ta'ala with his tongue, his heart will come alive someday. Someday his heart will start remembering Allah. First it happens with the tongue only. First the tongue will get engaged in Taala's remembrance but when this goes on, someday the heart will join. Someday that will affect the heart. When something is repeated with the tongue, in time it starts impacting on the heart. So to keep remembering Allah. And someday that will bring our heart alive as well. Then inshallah that will be very easy to now continue on the path of Deen. Allah wa ta'ala, give us a tawfiq that we live with this Taqwa. Allah ta'ala, give us a tawfiq to live in His obedience all the time that Allah ta'ala, has blessed us with. This time is spent in the way that Allah ta'ala, is pleased with us. We stay far away from places of evil and sin and all kinds of things that will take us away from Allah ta'ala. and these simple things that we discussed. We will have to make that mujahada, that sacrifice, but the sacrifice is bringing tremendous great Rewards for us and benefits for us. Together with that, the company and this remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala bless us with the tawfiq for this.